After that worship, I don't even feel worthy to be here right now. My goodness. His presence is amazing. The Father that we look up to for everything. You know, when Raleen came up here a little bit ago and she was praying and she ended in Jesus' name, you know why we say in Jesus' name to our prayers, our petitions? It's because they're wrapped up in everything that Jesus did and presented to the Father. Anything that we pray in our own name will not get there. It has to be filtered through Jesus. So when you pray and you want your prayer to be heard, you want your prayer to be answered, end it in Jesus' name with a reason. Don't just say it, but acknowledge it and understand why that is said that way. So now your prayers are going to have new meaning and you're ending up with something, a punctuation that the Lord did all that he did so that you can present everything that we do in his name. How awesome is that? If I was Ken right now, I'd be pounding the desk and saying, isn't that great? So, so it's just awesome that we can do that. Well, this morning... I really appreciate the opportunity to speak. It's been several months that the Lord has really put something on my heart. And he's put something on my heart because of what we see in the world today, what we see on television, what we see in movies, what we see in music or hear in music. And it's such a tragedy that I want to make sure that we uh, are able to combat it and once we know who the enemy is, we know how to fight it. I'm so blessed that we see what the Lord is doing in our church. When we started this church several years ago in our living room, uh, with just a few people, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter because the Lord showed up because we allowed him in. He will show up with you if it's just you and him in the car going to work or being at home or whatever the case is, if you invite him in. He wants to be part of your life. He wants to be involved in everything that you do. Invite him in, and he will show up. I promise you that. Uh, this morning, I want to pray in a special way to the men of the church that are here this morning. It's so important that we have godly men in our church. Godly men that are the front line in our church, in our families, in everything that we do, because that's where the attack will happen. The attack will start there. And it's not uncommon or not unusual to think, why has that occurred in the world where family has been impacted, fathers are not in the home, fathers are not part of raising their children, fathers are not allowing barriers, discipline, love to occur in the home from the Father. So now you have young men, and the majority is young men that are causing a lot of the havoc because they don't have a father that has aligned their thinking, that has aligned their morality, that has aligned their love for their family. We need to really be in prayer about this. 
because that's where we're going awry. And it's no accident that the devil knows this as well and has launched the attack. And this isn't something that's just started. This happened decades ago and probably longer. But we need to understand that the onslaught is happening and we need to be aware of it and we need to know how to fight it. I'm going to pray uh, and we'll start uh, this message this morning. And whatever the Lord wants to do, I have a lot of notes, but whatever he wants to do, I'm open to. So Lord, you just have your way. Father, I want to pray specifically to the men. I just want to pray for everyone, Father, that the ladies also that are wives here, family here, Father, will also be praying for the men of this church, Father. That you will open up their ears, Lord Jesus. That you will open up their hearts, Father, to hear from you. There's too many means of communication, Father, happening in our world today, Lord, that is capturing their attention. Father, redirect that attention to you, Father. Redirect those thoughts to you, Father. Redirect the appetites, Father, that are put into men, not from food, Father, but from so many other things. Let that be redirected, Father, to the cross. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for this word in Jesus' name. You know, I was listening to a um, video on, uh, I think it was on Instagram, that was from Coach Saban and from Alabama. And he talked about, he was talking to his team, he was talking to the media, and he was saying, if you wake up in the morning and you don't give it your best, what do you end up with? Nothing. When you go to work and you don't give it your all, Eventually, you'll end up with nothing. To his team, he said, if you don't train and if you don't give it your best and if you don't look for excellence, you will achieve nothing. So I'll add one more thing to that, is if you come to church and you don't open your heart, your heart and your ears, you'll leave here with nothing. So at that point, what do we want to do? What are these words that you're hearing today? Are they going to impact you or not? Is it going to be something that is going to redirect your thinking, something that you will desire when something goes wrong? When you're up against the wall, payments are due, health is failing, kids are sick, what are you going to do? All of a sudden, you have a refocus. But why wait for that to happen? Again, we're currently being attacked uh, as men by all angles. We need to be godly warriors, able to withstand the attacks of the enemy for our families, our church, and our city. Many men are not taking their roles in the family and not being fathers that provide the finances, stability, strength, protection, discipline, and love in the family unit. We need to tear off any thoughts that the current society has pushed on us and open our eyes to what the Bible says we should be. I want to identify the seven pillars in society, and most are involved in belittling men in our society. The seven pillars are religion, family, 
education, government, business, media, arts and entertainment. And how these pillars that all have our ear have assaulted anything to do with masculinity, being a father in manhood, especially if you're a Christian man or father. Uh, if you look at, and if you've seen any movie, whether it's a sitcom or whatever, they have belittled men beyond measure, especially uh, Christian men. The assault is having a big impact in our country today. The results are men that don't understand or want responsibility, discipline, and lack integrity. Honesty is not the standard. Loyalty, morality, and respect have been lost and fatherhood has been diluted into a remnant of what I grew up with in the 60s and 70s. Um, it's been just growing up and remembering my dad, and uh, my dad is an amazing man. He's um, doing so good, 86 years old, still working, and I had breakfast with him on Friday morning. Uh, we in, really enjoy our time together. But I remember as a child, he wasn't home a lot because he was working and providing for his four kids. So, but what we did have is when he got home, we had love, we had security, we had discipline, and we had some communication. It could have been better because even in the Hispanic culture, there's not that much love shown. It's just implied, okay? But that, that's all changed already, so that's good. So from that, I see the difference now in families that I see that are having problems where there's a distinctive disconnect happening and the kids are doing what they want to do and the parents are allowing it to happen because they don't want to deal with a problem or they're focused on something different, they're focused on work, they're focused on a business, they're focused on things that are not an amazing investment. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, in the investment of the family. So what does the Bible say about being a godly man? The world offers conflicting views of what a man is all about. Some say that being a man requires grit, determination, a working knowledge of weaponry or so, and preferably rock-solid abs. Well, that one I don't know about. So, <laughs> so others say that manliness is about getting in touch with one's feelings, caring for the less fortunate, and being sensitive. Still others would include leadership skills, a good work ethic, physical stature, and riches uh, will create a good man. So do these things truly define a good man, or is there another standard? To know what a true man is, we have an example. We have Jesus. He's the one that set the stage. He set a high bar. We can't get there, but certainly we can try to get there as much as we can. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and leave in complete dependence on and obedience to the will of God. So if you have Jesus that is needing to be dependent on the Spirit to lead and guide him, and he was Jesus, and we're who we are, and if we're not 
spiritually tied in and allowing the Spirit to really move in us, how much more of an onslaught do we get because we are who we are? Okay? So a true man like Jesus is obedient to the Father's will and is all about his Father's business. Like Christ, the godly man will turn away from sin and follow righteousness. Well, here's how Jesus did this. He exhibited a determination to accomplish God's will, whatever the cost. And that's in Isaiah 50, verse 7. He endured opposition and never lost heart. You find that in Hebrews 12 and 3. He was a man of the word using scripture to overcome temptation. Guys, that's a really important point. Okay, because Satan will come in and tempt us in a way that women won't be tempted and they will not understand. So we have to be prepared and know when that happens how to combat it. If we don't combat it, something else will fill in that side of it. So we have to be prepared to be able to combat that situation. He was a man of prayer. That's in Mark 135, but we can certainly read that. He was a man of love and sacrifice. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14 in the NIV, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith and be men of courage, be strong and do everything in love. According to these verses, a true man is vigilant against danger, faithful to the truth, brave in the face of conflict, steadfast through trials and above all loving. You know, when I think about those things, you know, I've, even when the kids were growing up, we were in bed and there's a loud noise or something. And Raleigh said, what was that? Can you go check that? And so you get up, you don't sit there and kind of open the window slightly. <laughs> you just blast through the house and try to find out where that noise, noise came from, not thinking you know, what's going to happen because you're there to protect your family. Does that still happen today? I don't know. I don't know because that's all I know. All I know is the road that I've been down. That's the only thing that I have to experience and to talk about. A true man is someone who has put away childish things. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, in, in the New Living Translation, translation, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. A, a true man knows what is right and stands firm in the right. A true man is a godly man. He loves the Lord. He loves life. He loves those whom, whom the Lord has entrusted to him. That is such a big part. Uh, when you're blessed with a wife and you're blessed with a family, there's nothing better. There is nothing better. That is a treasure beyond anything you can buy. That is a treasure beyond anything that you can live in or drive. It is beyond anything you can imagine, and you can't experience it until it happens. Well, what is biblical manhood? Biblical manhood can be boiled down to five basic principles, which each man is expected to conform to. And these are for single and married men in the first couple of these items. 
Humility before his God is number one. Number two, control of his appetites. And again, that's not food, or some it may be. But appetites, you know, guys are different. Guys are different. And a lot of guys become, if, if you don't direct the changes that happen in men as they're growing up, they can be completely derailed or go in the wrong direction or come into an intersection where they will make the wrong decision. Again, fathers are so important to be there during these times because boundaries need to be set. At that point, if there's no boundary set and they are feeling the way they're feeling, they're changing the way they're changing, their hormones are going in different directions, and if there's no boundaries, we get what we're getting in society today. That's the place that we're at. And that's why this church is so important to have men that will lead other men. We just started a Joshua men's group, or two of them. I think we have 26 men that are involved in that now. And I'm in one of those groups, and I'm excited about it. Because what it's going to do, it's going to identify different things that we can do to understand how to combat what the enemy's doing, understand how we can come together as a unit and be able to combat the enemy, there's something special about coming together and working together and fighting together. It builds a unity. You see that in the Marines all the time. When you go through trials and tribulation, you go through training, you go through extreme situations, that's where the bond comes in. And that's what we want. We want to build a bond for our men that we know that we can come together, that we can fight together, we can call one another and hold each other up in prayer and love on one another as well. If there's problems, we can come together. If there's things that we need direction on, we can come together and pray about it. We need to be a unit that is fighting with the right weapons and able to combat the enemy whichever way he comes at us. Men who failed these expectations are not behaving as men, biblically speaking, but something less honorable. In Psalm 40, 49.20, in the Amplified, a man who is held in honor, yet who lacks spiritual understanding and teachable heart, is like the beasts that perish. So we understand that. It's, we are created in God's image. We're created... In, a, in everything, there's no other creation that can do and be who we are. So we have a special connection with God through Jesus. Okay, so why do we then not come together and be able to unite as a team and be able to combat the enemy? Men and women are created in the image of God. Something to know where the creature can claim. This makes every single human being valuable and worthy of respect. Yet males and females are not identical. We are biologically, psychologically, and emotionally different and distinct. And that is not what the world is teaching today. This is not a bad thing. God called his original creation, which he included in distinct genders, very good. Biblical manhood must include a godly view of women. Mistreatments of women, such as forbidding education, sexual abuse, or denying civil rights or violations of the image of God principle. Note, 
the things that Scripture does not include as part of biblical manhood. Men are not called to be tyrants, ruling a home with an iron fist and a dictator's attitude. Nor are they instructed to be intimidated and weak-kneed towards their families. Okay, that, that's an interesting point, because a lot of times we want to be accommodating. We don't want to hurt our child physically, and then certainly we should not do that. But discipline is an important thing. Discipline allows boundaries to be set. If the boundaries are not set, they will be pushed and pushed. And once you have the lack of control, at that point, that's where we have some problems that occur. Humility, self-control, protection, provision, and leadership are a man's responsibilities and his tools. Men are accountable for spiritual leadership within their families, yet each person is ultimately accountable to God for his or her own life. The proper perspective for this leadership comes from this scripture, Ephesians 5, 25 through 32. And we've all heard this at weddings. We've seen it. We may know it by heart. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of this body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Sorry that this is somewhat serious, but it is a serious situation. We need to be awakened to it, and we need to be alert, and we need to be prepared. Amen. So um, hopefully we have more men, and uh, we pray for those that are not here that are ill. But I want this to resound uh, in their ears, in their minds as they hear this, that it's so important for us to be united together, walking together, and praying together. Just as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are equal yet serve different roles, so too can men and women be equal in value and in spiritual worth, yet have different roles to play. The fundamental requirement for biblical manhood is a proper relationship with God. We can read this in Micah 6, 8 out of the NIV. He has shown you, O, o mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. A godly man will study, learn, and understand the will of God through the word of God. Men are called to control their urges and appetites, relying on God to overcome temptations. Men, according to the Bible, you're not to twist the scripture in order to get the way, get your way, or to match your own preferences. Biblical manhood includes a responsibility to protect one's family. This may mean physically to the point of laying down his own life. You know, when those things happen and an opportunity or a situation like that happens, 
that doesn't even come into your thought process. It doesn't. And I know I've shared this one time while we were on a flight going to South Africa that a situation occurred. Brittany and Raleen were on the, phone, on, on the plane with me. And um, there was a situation where I saw three uh, men go to the back of the plane. This was about 2 in the morning. We were flying over the Atlantic. And um, I was already watching them on the, uh, at the uh, boarding gate and just watching their actions, just watching if they were talking. They never said a word to each other. They got on the plane. They all were together. And they all stood up together and looked around and walked to the back of the plane while everybody was asleep on the plane. And I was awake, so I undid my seatbelt, and I walked to the back of the plane. And so they were just standing there. They were looking around, and one came towards me, and I kind of sped up a little bit, and I hit him and knocked him down. I didn't mean, I didn't mean for him to fall down. I just mean, meant to bump into him. I wanted to see a reaction if they were tense or if they were looking to do something, they would have said something. But I, I knocked him on the ground. I helped him pick back and get back up. And um, he just stared at me, didn't do anything. The other guys were behind him. And they all just walked back to their seats and sat down. They never got up again. And that was a 16-and-a-half-hour flight. So um, I don't know what that was. But again, when you take on things and you don't know what's happening and you have your family with you, you do things because you're protecting, and that's what happens. And those are things that, that I know I did, and I've done several others, that you never think twice. You think later what would have happened. They could have all jumped on me and beat me up. <laughs> but, but at that point, I didn't even think about it. You, don't, you, don't, you just think protection uh, at that point. In the Bible, men are called to fight protect, and protect their wives and their children. Men are never called to do the same for the... Women are never called to do the same for the husbands. This also involves spiritual protection. Consider that Eve sinned first, but Adam was blamed for failing to lead her. Men are instructed to honor their wives as a weaker vessel, a phrase that in context invokes something precious, expensive, and valuable. Protecting one's spouse and family from harm, both spiritual and physical, should be a natural instinct for Christian men. The role of leader, both within the church and within a marriage, is also a biblical, biblical man, is also part of biblical manhood. This requirement originates even before the fall, where Adam and Eve shared equally in differing responsibilities. It's also seen in Adam's naming of Eve in Genesis 2.23, an act which symbolizes authority. As already referenced, God has to be the model for this type of leadership. A man is called to lead through love, through service, and through sacrifice. I remember when uh, we first had my son, Spencer, and um, everything changed forever. And it was a change that took some adjust, adjusting, but it was never uh, a drudgery. It was always something that I wanted to do, and I wanted to figure out what else I could do, what more I could do, 
and how I could do it better. So, and the reason for that was because I saw the example of my own father. So I had a gauge. In society today, if you don't have that, certainly that's why the men of the church are so important. We can help. We can be there. We can lead. We can help you guide uh, your family because we're dealing with a different situation than growing up in the 60s and 70s the way I did. It's different now, and we have to prepare uh, the men of the church for this. Being a man is not domineering leadership or authoritarian arrogance. Male leadership in the home and in the church is meant to reflect the relationship between Christ and the church. There is nothing manly or commendable about a man who shirks these responsibilities, nor is there anything admirable about a society that despises the characteristics of a godly man. So this is prevalent, again, like we talked about in society today. Anything that resembles wholesome, traditional families despised by the agenda-driven culture in our world today. We need to delete this thinking from our minds and conform to the biblical principles that will provide blessing and honor for generations. You know, the Lord has, has blessed me in a way that I can, when, it, when I wrote this, I can really delete things out of my thinking. And he's blessed me with that to where whatever can be happening at the office and I can delete it on my way home and not undelete it until I get to the office the next morning. So I sleep good. I have no problem sleeping. I get home. I don't even think about work. So the Lord has blessed me with that ability to where I don't bring things home to Raleen. A lot of times she doesn't know what's happening at the office. Not that I want to hold anything back from her, but if I tell her, it's going to get 10 times larger. Okay? Okay, so, and it's not going to, I'm not going to be able to sleep because it's, now it's invaded my space at home. And so I keep it at the office because I can't do anything about it at home. And so, um, so that's something that the Lord has blessed me with being able to do so I can rest when I need rest and I can enjoy family and not be so hard and so on edge that even when we were raising our kids that I would take it out on my kids. I didn't want that. I didn't want my kids to feel the impact of that stress that they knew nothing about. So to be a godly husband or wife requires that we first surrender our lives to the lordship of Jesus Christ. To be godly means we must have God first. When his spirit lives in us, he empowers us to live godly lives. In Galatians 2.20 in the NIV, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This lays a foundation for all godly relationships, including marriage. And in Philippians 2, 3 through 4 in the NIV, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Now we're going to meddle a little bit in the next part. So I might have some, I should have had my kind of a wire mesh up here for, um, 
But in marriage, this means that a husband and wife are no longer their own bosses. This is interesting. Each has willingly surrendered to the other the right to do whatever they want, whenever they want. Okay? And I wasn't one that did a lot of things outside of the home, but I did a few things, like bought a boat without really knowing about it. And I showed her the boat after church one day at the boat show. You know, so I said, babe, you want to go see our boat? What boat? Here's the, here's the receipt. And so, yeah, some things you, have, you learn from that uh, you, uh, you kind of work together on things. This can be particularly hard for men, especially if they've been single for a long time. It may never cross a man's mind that his wife is not as passionate as he is about spending the weekend watching football or being at the hunting cabin or blind. Sorry, guys. But this passage instructs us to intentionally consider the feelings and the ideas of others rather than assume that they think as we do. In 1 Peter 3, 7 in the Amplified, in the same way, you husbands, live, your, live with your wives in an understanding way with great gentleness and tact and with an intelligent regard for the marriage relationship. As with someone physically weaker, since she's a woman, show her honor and respect as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered or ineffective. Think about that. Let's go back on that last one again. Show her honor and respect as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered or ineffective. That's heavy. That's heavy. So if, if we're not right with our family, we're not right with our wife, and we go on and we think that our prayers are being heard... That might not be the case according to what it says here. The term weaker vessel has often been misunderstood. It does not imply inferiority since the verse continues by stating that a woman is a fellow heir with her husband. Also, within this verse, weaker means that a woman is not to be treated as one of the guys. She's treated differently in both body and spirit. Understanding is key. A husband must study his wife, learn who she is, and make choices that highlight her strengths and beauty. Physical confrontation, verbal bullying, and emotional neglect have no place in a Christian marriage. To live with her in an understanding way means that a wise husband controls his own needs and desires so that hers are met. He does not belittle her, minimize her contributions to the family, or expect her to, to do what God has given him to do. Christian wives desire godly leadership, not, not dictatorship. However, a man cannot lead where he has not been. Okay, so that is, is another interesting point, and that one really impacted me as I was studying yesterday. How can we lead if we haven't been even where our wives are? And we're trying to take the role of leadership 
how important is it for us to already make that investment of time and effort because everything else will take our attention. I know in business, I get distracted by so many different things, so many different challenges, so many different highs and lows, the high of a sale or the, 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 the highs of a new contract, a new project is great. But then when problems arise, you know, it's, it's another thing. But that also needs to be dealt with in a way that allows us to come to a point of knowing that the Lord wants to be involved in every part of our life. A leader goes first, forging the way, battling through spiritual issues, and then presenting God's instruction to his family. An ongoing personal relationship with Jesus is crucial in order to lead a family spiritually. God holds men responsible for the physical, sorry, spiritual and physical well-being of their families. Even if the wife may be better at teaching and leading, the husband is still to be involved in teaching their children. I can relate to that one, okay? Raleen is much better at teaching than I am, and I'm okay with that. I'm trying to stretch. I'm trying to get there. She does so good. But if y'all lived and y'all know Raleen, at that point, it's a high bar to try to reach. I stop trying to reach. I just go along with her. A lot of times she's driving the boat, but I'm making sure that the boat's running fine. <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, but I, I'm okay with that because she's being blessed by it, I'm being blessed by it, and others are being blessed by it. So at that point, we're all in ministry together, and she's got some great available time that is invested in the word, invested in others, and I become blessed because of it. When a father comes to know Christ, there's a 93% chance that his family will follow. Okay, so think about that, guys, as you're raising a family. And I know uh, when, I, when I, I should have started earlier from, I want to really specifically speak to men from 18 and older, but I'm speaking to everybody today to just to allow you to understand of how important it is for a foundation to be laid that allows a child to know that the father is the example of who the father is. Okay? So if you are not that example, there's still time. There's still time. We want to make sure that we align our thinking with that. It's not anything that the devil will now say, well, man, I didn't do that. I lost it. Now I have No, at that point, we still have time. As long as you're breathing, you have time. Okay? He must lead by example in church attendance, Bible reading, prayer, and spiritual disciplines. It's difficult for a Christian wife to respect her husband in other areas when he has not been consistent in leading her spiritually. Both single and married men can benefit from these traits of a godly leader. Let me give you these traits. A servant. He's teachable. Filled with Holy Spirit. So crazy critical. So crazy critical because if we don't have Holy Spirit... At that point, we're going off of what we know as compared to everything that the Lord can impart in us through the Spirit. 
if we don't have that connection at that point, we are lacking. It's like two wires not fully connected uh, and not being able to fully provide what's needed. Enthusiastic about his role, you need to be excited about being a Christian father. You need to be excited about believing and understanding who Christ is in your life. You need to be a model of humility and forgiveness. That's another big one. Humility and forgiveness. Loving to those he leads. Ready to admit his failures and areas where he needs growth. I know those are things that will always uh, jump on me if I know that either I've hurt someone and I haven't apologized. I know I did that to Jeremiah one time. I hurt him by something that I said when something happened. But it, it really hurt me that I hurt him. So at that point, I went to him and I asked for his forgiveness because that was weighing on me every time I saw him. And I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want there to be any type of interruption between what the Lord was doing because if I'm any example to him of who Christ is, there's a hindrance. I don't want that to happen. Men often measure themselves by externals, which are outside their control. Many, uh, money, possessions, fame, physical ability, and power are short-lived and temporary. Some of those can be fast cars, big houses, all those, all those other things that come into play there. Uh, however, a husband can choose to define success by how well he has followed God's command to cherish his wife and lead his family. A happy wife is a testament to a godly husband. While he is not responsible for the way his wife responds, every husband can control how well he is following Jesus in loving and leading the ones God has entrusted to him. The blessing of loving, nurturing, and providing for your family will continuously bless you in a lifelong amount of shared experiences and eternal rewards. I don't have a couple of examples just because of my son and daughter. You know, my son... Uh, I was blessed to be able to start a company and give that over to him, and now he's running it way beyond what I could have done. And so I see my son every day. And so when I see him, and he knows this, he can come in if I'm in a meeting, come in and give me a hug, I'll give him a kiss on the cheek and an embrace, and it doesn't matter who's in there, and I'll do the same with him. It's just that type of a relationship that we have that nothing else is more important, but family is very important. Uh, with Brittany, my daughter, who worked with me for several years, I really, really miss her at the office because we saw things so, so consistently and we bounced ideas off each other and, and we did things together and it was such a great relationship and I miss that baby. And, uh, but I know why she's not there because she's at home taking care of her babies. And Colin, I want to thank you for providing and being able to make that possible. Amen. Thank you so much. This is... The day of Brittany's wedding, she wrote and recorded a song while Colin played the guitar, and they did it, on, I think, on... Uh, what did you record it on? Uh, on GarageBand, Okay. But it was, it was special, okay? 
This was for the father-daughter dance at their wedding. And it always pulls on my heartstrings every time uh, that I hear it. And I'm going to play it for you, and I think the words will be on here so that y'all can see what I'm talking about. I'm going to sit up. So when you talk about investment, you talk about um, family and love. When she talked, every time that we pray, I always kiss her hand. Every time that she, yeah, I was, I would always wait till she got home. She, so I'm, I'm always, I would always stay awake, make sure that everyone, even my son, came home uh, safe. Um, it is what it is. I'm just that type of person. And uh, that's how valuable family is and how valuable it should be. Okay, so the principles of a godly man um, are identified through work. And I don't have those scriptures that we can put up, but the, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and keep it. In Genesis 2.15. To be courageous... Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9. Be strong. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. 1 Corinthians 16.13. In Matthew 22.37-39, And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So love is an important part. We need to be a godly husband. Therefore, this is another scripture in Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. To be the head of his wife, for the husband is the head of the wife, and even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself is Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Serve sacrificially. And in, in this part, serving is such an honor and such a blessing. If, if serving is a drudgery, it should be a check in your spirit. If it's something that you don't want to do, something that you think is taking time away from yourself, it should be a check in your spirit. Serve sacrificially. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Uh, be a godly father. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Another scripture says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. One more scripture in that area. For this, for it's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? That's in Hebrews 12.7. Guys, we've got to be compassionate. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being with family, my goodness, um, you can cry, you can hold, you can tell them you love them. It's all good. It's all good. 
Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And we read that earlier. Be a provider. Be a provider. If any... One does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household. He is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's in 1 Timothy 5.8. This other one is, is, uh, is so important. Be a giver. You shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because for, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Giving is so important, guys. And I know in the future, I'm sure we're going to have a message on giving. And um, I just know by example that when we've been uh, consistent in giving and giving above and beyond, the Lord has always been faithful. And the Lord is faithful and will be faithful and you just have to conform to that thinking. Yes. You know, and, and I have a rabbi that I'm working on a project for in, in Pennsylvania. And he um, has told me on the, ra- the way they raise their children, they learn to live on 50% of what they make. Even as a child, 50% of what you make. You live on 50%. You give 10%. You invest 20%. And the other is set aside for your own college at 20%. So as an early age, they're already living within boundaries that's set by the father. And at that point, they are able to invest at a young age and see a return and already start building their own life for the future. We live to the extreme. We live paycheck to paycheck or whatever the case may be. And that's something that we need to align our thinking with what is best. I know I do, and I have to do that. And so I think it's very important to do that. But if we're givers, we will be blessed because of that. We need to be honorable. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. That's in Proverbs 27. Finally, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Lastly, uh, I I did this yesterday, and I was going through scriptures, and I I found a scripture that I had... Had to to have overlooked because it applies to me and how I am. And how I am, it it just really resounded in my spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 4.11 in the NIV, it says, Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as I instructed you before. You know, that for me, the Lord has entrusted my hands, people give me paragraphs of information of what they want, and I use these hands to create buildings and structures and whatever. So just out of words, I can create buildings, and I can only do that through what the Lord has imparted in me, and I do it with these hands. 
And so when I read the scripture yesterday, it really resounded in my spirit, and it allowed me to really think about that a little bit differently. I'd like for the men that are here that are um, 18 and older, I'd like for you all to come up here with me, please. We've had a great time of uh, prayer today. We've had a great time of seeing the Spirit move earlier today. But I think this is going to be a special time. If you all come up and form one line all the way across. And let's face the congregation. Okay, church, this is, this is the front line. This is the front line for our families. This is the front line for our church. This is where the battle starts. This is the first, the first impact of any type of attack is going to be through one of us in our families. So ladies, I want you all to lift your hands and pray for the men of the church, and I'm going to lead in a prayer. And Pastor Brett, if you could, afterwards, if you could anoint the men that are here, and we're going to end with another prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you laid this message on my heart months ago, Father, for this time today, that those that are here, Lord Jesus, heard from you because you wanted them to, Father that they came for a reason they didn't know, but now they're experiencing something that is eternal, Father. Lord Jesus, just come alive in them today, Lord Jesus. Open their ears, open their hearts, open their eyes, Father, to everything that you have for them, Lord. Father, bless them, Lord Jesus. Protect them, Father. Let them be used by you, Lord Jesus, and let them have the relationship with you, Father, that allows them to lift up their sword, to be protected with the armor of knowing who you are, Father, that they will be able to protect their families, lead their families, and that they will not be hindered by any attack that we face, Father. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that we can come boldly to your throne, Father, boldly to your throne, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that these men have willingly took, taken the step just to get out of their seat and come here right now, Father. And that step allows them to have engaged and activated this fatherhood relationship, Lord Jesus, in them. Father, let them be leaders. Let them be godly husbands. Let them be godly men, Father. They will seek you in everything they do, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness. I want to pray over the men. Father, right now, I ask that you impart wisdom, Lord Jesus, that you impart new ideas, Father, that you impart amazing things in these men right now, Lord Jesus, that can only come from you, Father. Lord Jesus, Touch their hearts, Lord Jesus. Touch their minds, Father. Bless them, Lord Jesus, with health. Bless them with finances. Bless them with leadership. 
everything that you have for them right now, Father, I just unload that in, on them and in them right now, Father. There's an activation happening right now, Lord Jesus, and let it be led by your spirit. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you for all that you are. I thank you for the hunger that you will put in these men that once they taste and they see, Father, that they will always desire more of you. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, for these men. Protect them, love them, nurture them, give them health and wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.